Welcome to this episode of Courier Conversations. Now here's your hosts, Rudy Gray and Todd Deaton. Welcome again to Courier Conversations. I'm Rudy Gray, and with me today is my dear friend, uh, Tony Beam, who is also Senior Director of Church and Community Engagement at North Greenville University and Director of the Office of Public Policy for the South Carolina Baptist Convention and the Interim Pastor at Impact Church in Spartanburg. That's Tony, true. That's all true. Glad to have you, brother. Thank you, sir. It's and always we, a pleasure. Well, we want to ask you questions and uh, sure. s- find out what's going on in South Carolina in the wake of the overturn of Roe v. Wade. And let me just introduce this for our listeners that might not be aware of all the details. Uh, sure, just about everybody is. But the case that was brought before the Supreme Court basically was a case of Dobbs versus Jackson's Jackson Women's Services in Mississippi. And that was the basis on which Roe v. Wade was overturned. Until a few years before the original Roe v. Wade, there was no federal court that had ever recognized the right to abortion. So when we talk about the right to abortion, this is a relatively new thing in history for sure and a new thing in the history of the United States. Uh, I like one of the comments that Alito said when he gave the uh, opinion. He said, it's time to heed the Constitution and retain the issue of abortion to the people's elected representatives. It was left to the states before 1973, and it's back to the states again. That leads me to the question. So South Carolina had in place a heartbeat bill that now is in effect, but there's ongoing discussion about changes and how South Carolina will deal with abortion. Could you fill us in on some of those details? Well, the heartbeat bill was passed in 2021. Uh, Actually, at the beginning of that legislative session, after a historic election in South Carolina in 2020, in terms of being a red wave for the state, it obviously didn't turn out to be necessarily a red wave for the country, but we had three Senate seats change hands from Democrat to Republican in the Senate and picked up a few House seats, and it turned out that that margin in the Senate was just what was needed to overcome a filibuster so that the heartbeat bill could become law. Uh, It was immediately enjoined. Uh, It went to the Fourth Circuit, which has become uh, very liberal. Uh, It looked like that was going to be held up indefinitely. But as you said, Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health, when the Supreme Court decided to overturn Roe versus Wade and Casey versus Planned Parenthood, both of those cases, uh, it turned back to the states. Our attorney general was on that within minutes. Uh, Attorney General Alan Wilson really does deserve a lot of credit here because he immediately filed to have the ban lifted. And within 24 hours, I believe, the heartbeat bill became the law in South Carolina, which basically says that uh, a woman cannot have an abortion uh, after a heartbeat is detected, which moves that back to about the six-week level, first trimester for sure. And one of the things coming out of this, I think, is that you had companies like Disney, Amazon, I think Google and others, Apple, that was were promising to pay right. uh, expenses of people to go to these states that are uh, open, that, that do perform uh, abortions. That's right. Uh, but now uh, the latest thing I read was uh, – 
that looks like there may be sort of a hiccup in it that, that they haven't realized how much money that would cost. So t- tell us about that. So somebody can leave South Carolina and go and have an abortion, but they can't have abortion in South Carolina. Is uh, that's, that right? That, that's correct. Well, uh, right now, uh, after a heartbeat is detected, but there are um, states, California, New York, I think Illinois is working on these states are becoming sanctuary states. There's actually some discussion between the uh, western states, between Oregon, Washington, and California to sort of make the West Coast an abortion haven uh, all the way up and down the West Coast where their laws would be similar. So, um, yes, a woman can leave South Carolina, go to a state that allows abortion, have an abortion, come back to South Carolina, Um, And there are corporations that are major corporations, and you mentioned several of them. Dick's Sporting Goods is another one, which has become very uh, controversial that they've decided to get into this, that have said that they would pay up to $4,000 for a woman to travel to get an abortion. And they're putting that in sort of their health care plan because they see um, women talk about, or not, not women in general, but progressives talk about a woman's health care or reproductive rights and choices, her body, her choice, that kind of thing. So they look at it as health care, which is sort of an odd way to look at a procedure that takes a human life and puts the mother's life at risk and her future ability to have children at risk. Um, abortion's not a simple thing, and it certainly should never be considered in the realm of health care. But such is the manner of progressive corporations that are being beat up by the left right now um, to join this tidal wave of people who are providing for women to be able to have abortions. It's almost like what the Scripture says when it tells us not to be of the world. And the world, as I see it in Scripture, is that system of thinking and believing and behaving that simply leaves God out. Right. Uh, it's not that everybody wears uh, horns and has a, uh, a pitchfork. They just leave God out. God is omitted from the conversation, from the values right. and everything. We hope you're enjoying today's podcast. Want to help support faith-based, family-friendly journalism? This podcast is one of the many ways The Courier is telling the stories of those who tell the story. Become a friend of The Courier. Call 1-888-677-4693 or email editor at baptistcourier.com to learn more. Well, there are a lot of interesting things about this. I mean, for one, it's obvious that women have been exploited for financial and political gain since Roe versus Wade. I mean, it is a huge cash cow uh, to progressives. They are infuriated that that is being taken away, but it's also been a huge political issue that has, in many ways, they believe, benefited progressives um, in elections. Now, we could dispute that because more and more pro-life representatives have been elected on the state level and on the federal level. And, of course, the election of President Trump in 2016 led to the changing of three Supreme Court justices who all three of them uh, voted to overturn Roe versus Wade, making that uh, that historic decision. But still, that's been the motivation. And now you have – I was talking about this on my radio show this morning. You had um, Bette Midler and then another – 
um, Hollywood uh, singer over the weekend talking about women and women's rights and actually complaining that the word woman is being hijacked and, and not having any meaning. Now, if people think that that's going to last, um, you know, I, they, they need to think differently because these celebrities are perfectly willing to go back and use the term woman when it suits their purposes. And it certainly does when they're talking about abortion. But as soon as all these state battles over abortion are settled, uh, the left will go back to the transgender standard line. Uh, this is, you know, when, when you live in a world where absolute truth has been completely replaced by relativism, uh, you're not bound by any kind of uh, tether to reality or to the truth. So you can just sort of make it up as you go along, support the things that need to be supported for the moment to get what you want politically and culturally, and then go back to a different position once you're finished. And I think some Christian philosophers have referred, we, we talk about postmodernism, uh, and but we've moved to a new stage where now they say we're in the post-truth era. Right. So then it's your truth and my truth, and there's no objective standard or value of how do you determine truth. Well, and, one of the most significant books for the, in the last five to 10 years has been Carl Truman's book, The Rise and, um, oh, The Rise of the Modern Self. Um, it's, that's not the complete title. I had it and then it, it just left me, but the, the modern self, the idea that, um, you know, we are autonomous individuals, not connected to culture or society. And everybody has to respect whatever we decide about our personal space. And that's become in a world void of absolute truth. That's become a real problem. And unfortunately, I think it's led to people being in bondage because uh, the opposite of that is Jesus said, you'll know the truth and the truth will make you right. free. Well, there's got to be something to know that's objective, that's verifiable. And of course, scripture is. That's uh, right. It's the rise and triumph of the modern self okay. is a full title. Okay. Well, now there's hearings, uh, listening sessions and things going on now. Right. About Today. Well, as this brought as this podcast is being recorded, okay, and then uh, what's what's going to be the outcome of this? Where, where what is the direction this thing could possibly take? Well, um, if I knew the outcome in advance, um, I probably would be charging for my services coming in here today. But, oh, but wow. since you're doing since this I for don't, free, I'm doing this oh. for free. So since I don't know for sure, um, but I, I I will say that there is an agreed-upon effort by the pro-life community to get a bill passed in South Carolina that would outlaw abortion beginning at conception without exceptions except for the life of the mother. Now, that's where everybody's starting. That's where pro-life legislators are starting. But they're having the hearings today to hear people's opinions. There's going to be a strong push, of course, by some, to stop this movement altogether. There'll be a strong push by others to make sure that if we do ban abortion, that exceptions for rape and incest will be included as well as the life of the mother. Um, and, and so how far this will go, 
Um, I can tell you this, there's a lot of security down at the state house today. They're allowing only a hundred people in the, in the building. Uh, they're bringing people in in groups of 20. And once you testify, you have to leave because, uh, before when the legislature was in session to deal with government masters vetoes, there was a large contingent of what I call pro-abortion uh, activists who showed up, and some of them were very disruptive in their behavior, and they were expecting a lot of that at the State House today, even though this is a hearing by an ad hoc committee in the House that was put together for the purpose of coming up with the language for the bill that will come out of the House when the General Assembly goes back into session in September. Okay. And the purpose of this is to listen to these voices, Yes, right? that's right. This is to hear, and there'll be a lot of pro-life voices today. Uh, being expressed, um, and then there will be those who want to not have any change or that they would like to get rid of the heartbeat bill, I mean, obviously. So um, I, I, I don't think that's going to happen. What we're going to get uh, when the General Assembly comes back into session, we will get some type of ban on abortion in South Carolina that goes beyond the six-week limit of the heartbeat bill. I think the main question is, will there be exceptions for rape and incest, and how far will that go? Um, and I, that's being worked out. We don't even have the language of the House bill yet. It hasn't been written. And so they're not really responding today to a bill. The bill just has a number and no content. So it'll be written after input from the public. Okay, and the way that works, as I understand it, is if the House passes a bill and the Senate does, then they come together in that special place down there in the Capitol where they work out a compromise and then right. they come up with a bill they both can agree on. Well, if but it can go a different way. It could be that the House passes a bill and the Senate concurs. Yeah. If the Senate concurs, it just goes to the governor's desk and he either signs or vetoes it. But in a lot of cases, the Senate likes to make changes. They'll amend. Or And if a bill that passes the House gets amended, then it goes to a conference committee and that gets they, they work out the differences and then it goes to the governor. And sometimes bills die in the conference process. So hopefully the best scenario is the House comes up with a bill, the Senate concurs and the governor signs it into law. And all this could conceivably happen by the end of the year. Oh, yes. Uh, well, Yes, it'll have to happen before the end of the year, or it'll have to start over in January. The Sani Die resolution, I believe, only goes through November 13th. So once the legislature comes back into session in September, then they'll have to adjourn by November 13th. The governor could turn around and call a special session uh, to deal with this, but he would have to do that because the Sani Die resolution only covers up through, I think it's November 13th. Okay. This is Bob at Bob Sloan Audio Productions, the producer of this and many other podcasts. If you or someone you know would like to learn more about how to create, record, and distribute a podcast, contact me at bobsloan.com. That's B-O-B-S-L-O-N-E.com. And we'll discuss getting your podcast on the air. One last thing I want to ask you about. Sure. Some doctors have uh, commented on, uh, they feel like they're in a... Uh, some kind of nebulous state right now because they don't know what to do and uh, they could end up uh, losing a lot of money. They could be sued. There could be all kinds of things. Uh, what's your take on that, uh, the, the position of doctors? I mean, it's illegal 
in South Carolina to perform abortion after six weeks, after a heartbeat has been detected. That's right. So uh, what's your feeling about where doctors stand in that? I think doctors should adhere to the law. I mean, I, I don't think there's um, that it presents any undue burden on them uh, to simply look at the law. I mean, how many laws do doctors already have to conform to in the medical in the medical field? There are so many, and there there's always a concern in the medical field about lawsuits, um, and that's been the case since doctors have been doctors, and since we've become a litigious society. So. I don't think that it's a legitimate thing to say that, well, this heartbeat bill is adding a whole lot of extra stress and we don't know what to do. And, well, yeah, the law is pretty clear the way it's written. Um, see if there's a heartbeat if a woman comes to you for an abortion. If there is, you have to, turn, you have to say no. Um, if she says that she's been raped, um, in order to perform an abortion, there has to be a police record of a police report being filed, um, which is the first time that we've gotten an exception with um, verification of a police report. So, you know, this is I, I, I think doctors need to do what they've always done, which is be aware of the law um, and adhere to it. And what I've read, uh, all of the major, uh, like Prisma and the others, uh, have said that, you know, they may have some questions about this, but they will abide by right. the law. Yeah, right. Well, they have to. They'd, right. be, they'd be sued out of business or face criminal charges under uh, the law in South Carolina. So um, I, I think, I mean, you know, we need to stop for a second and just realize that the prayers and the work of pro-life activists for 50 years finally bore the fruit that we prayed for, the protection of life in the womb. And I've heard, I've heard it said, and it's, it's very wise, yes, we respect a woman's right, and it is her body, and she does have reproductive rights, but her reproductive rights only extend to the point where she becomes pregnant. And then it's the right of that baby to live that supersedes her reproductive rights. Um, and it is her body, but it is not her body that is on the sacrificial offering block when abortion is on the table. It's the body of a human being who is separate from, but still connected to the mother. It's an important point. And uh, this is probably a topic for another time, but in the wake of this ruling, this is going to create a lot of, uh, I don't want to say pressure, but a lot of opportunity and needs of crisis pregnancy centers. Yes. Uh, we probably need more, and they're going to need a lot more money, and uh, it's time for the well, church to step up and support uh, these ministries. If anyone would like to go back and read my article in The Courier that was uh, last month, they can take a look. I've suggested three things that the church is going to need to do in the in the wake of this decision. And we do have to step up and be the salt and light that God has said that we are in the culture. Dr. Beam, thank you for being with us today. It's always a joy to be My pleasure. with you and talk with you. Hope you have a good day today. And to all our listeners, God bless you and God go with you. We're glad you joined us for Courier Conversations where we are informing and inspiring South Carolina Baptists and beyond. For more information about these topics and more, 
subscribe to our e-edition or go to our website at baptistcourier.com. The Courier is located in Greenville, South Carolina as a multimedia ministry partner of the South Carolina Baptist Convention. To comment about today's podcast, email us at conversations at baptistcourier.com. This podcast produced by Bob Sloan Audio Productions.